5: Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining in today. I've got to tell you where I am. It's so exciting. I am in a hotel in Chinatown in New York City. Now, those of you who listen regularly know that I live in New York City, so what is so extraordinary about my being in a different part of town? Well, New York is a very remarkable place. It's really a collection of neighborhoods, and I think of all the neighborhoods Chinatown has got to be my favorite one. When we first moved here and my daughter was a teenager, she would always say, let's go to Chinatown. It's our Walmart because the prices down here are very, very good. And in lots of parts of Manhattan, prices are, mm, you know, a little bit hefty. But I am here on writer's retreat. I have been blocked. Now, this is unity. So I would never say I am blocked or I have a writer's block. But I have experienced the false manifestation of feeling blocked about writing my next book. So when my two stepchildren decided to come to town at the same time, I thought, you know what? Why don't I just leave them and their dad, the condo? I will take Forbes, the dog, and come down here. We found a great bargain on a hotel in Chinatown, and I am having the best time It's a much more easygoing atmosphere than lots of places. Like, you can take dogs in practically everywhere. I mean, not restaurants. This is America. So, you know, we don't allow dogs in restaurants. They do in other parts of the world. That's another discussion. But it's just so easygoing. And last night... I had a mock duck appetizer. It's made from Yuba, which is tofu skin. Now, I never had duck from a real duck back when I ate meat, but my understanding is it's very rich and a little bit heavier than a lot of meats. And that's how the mock duck is too. And I have to tell you, my dog Forbes is nuts for mock duck. So you know what? When people say, is rich food really addictive? I say, yes even for my dog, Forbes. So, lovely to have you. Let me tell you what's coming up on the show, and then we're going to have a little treat right here in this very first segment. My guest today, in the first guest segment after the first break, is Gingy Talaferro. She is a raw food person. She's an expert on raw pregnancy and birth, and she's actually going to be giving a great, big gift to the first person who calls in to speak to her when she comes on, and the number for calling in to talk to any of us is 888-558-6489. Our second guest will be Sid Garza-Hillman. He is the author of Approaching the Natural, a health manifesto that's getting quite a lot of buzz in health circles. But right now, I would like to introduce you to one of my favorite people. Her name is Anne Zabrowski. Anne actually came to me as a client in my vegan lifestyle coaching practice. She is a smart, smart woman. She's an attorney out there in Indiana, interested in plant-based eating, but thinking, oh, gee, I don't know, kind of got some weight to lose, kind of really like food, how far can I go with this thing? Well, I'm here to tell you that Ann Zabrowski has gone pretty darn far. Welcome, Ann. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to have you here today. Thank you. I remember the first time you called me. I felt like you were saying, how, how much can I cheat? You know, like how many days a month can I eat other stuff? Yes. <laughs> but then something happened, and that doesn't seem to be your approach anymore. Tell us about it.
0: Um, I was vegetarian. I became, uh, well, it kind of all started back in 06. I was about 90 pounds overweight and frustrated. Then I became a vegetarian in 09 as a way to try to lose weight, or I started cutting down on meat as a way to lose weight, and then I lost about 60 pounds and still had 30 to go. In '09, I became a vegetarian after seeing the videos, after seeing a lot of things on the Internet, and I'm an animal lover, and it just felt like the right thing to do. But I love desserts and have a horrible sweet tooth. <laughs> so I was having an awful time becoming a vegan. And when I called you at first, it was like I I wanted to because, some of the things I'd seen on the internet about CAFOs and everything, but I wasn't sure quite how to do it, and I was having an awful time giving up desserts and everything. And the coaching was a huge help with the support of it and showing that there are different types of vegan diets. And I think I was trying to do low-fat, and I just got these cravings, and I'd give it up after a while. And then you asked me what kind of vegan diet I was interested in. I didn't even know there were different kinds. And so then I started looking into different kinds and found Joel Furman's diet. And I started at the beginning of this year and it just, it worked for me. So thank you.
5: Well, I lo- <laughs> oh, You are so welcome. And I love how interesting it is when we use these phrases that are also used in the conventional world. Because you were saying that, that low fat didn't work for you. But actually your diet now is low fat in the American sense. You know, you you've got the nuts and the seeds in there that Dr. Furman recommends and and yet it's not that you're out eating, like I talked about my dog, mock duck appetizer every night. That's true. <laughs> and
0: once you and it just really helps with the cravings and everything too, that type of diet where you get some nuts and seeds and it helps you not go nuts on desserts so to
5: speak. <laughs> yeah, It's so true. I have even said, I think on this show that a great thing to do if you're a dessert fanatic mm. is just have a little handful of nuts at the end of a meal. We all know that phrase from soup to nuts, but most of us don't have that for a final course, but with absolutely no sugar at all, you get a little bit of richness. It just makes you feel like, okay, I'm good. I have my treat.
0: That's it. That's a huge help.
5: It is indeed. Now, you talked about desserts and that that was hard for you to to give up. And that was certainly my story, too. It took me years to go vegan. Although I think in those days, one of the great things about vegan from a health point of view was that it offered protection against baked goods. (laughs) 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 And now it's it's not quite like that. So what do you do with your um, penchant for sweets? Okay, well, um, I went to the... I know
0: that PETA has a list, and you don't really have to be a member to join. It's called Accidentally Vegan, and it has a lot of, like, vegan treats and everything. So if you're hungry for dessert, you can find some on there. And somehow when it... um, when they're vegan desserts, they're good, but you can stop at one. <laughs> they're not That as... is
5: fascinating, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. For some reason, you don't just eat and eat and eat them like you do regular desserts. So you can still have some desserts, but not go crazy.
5: <laughs> this is good. Now, you are also doing something else rather remarkable. You are out running races.
0: Yes, yes. Did a first half marathon this spring and got signed up for another one next fall, so... I've never run before. I'm over 50, and I hadn't. I'd done a little jogging in my 40s, but never did a race before last November. So, having a good time with that, and I think eating this way really helps. Kind of helps you get your speed up and everything.
5: Well, that's what everybody says. We've had Ellen Jaffe Jones on the show. She's got lots of uh, masters level awards for for sprinting and distance running, and she says. The plant-based diet is the reason she's acing all those things. Wow. (laughs) That's impressive
0: to hear. And
5: and you're impressive. And I'm just so happy that you you could (laughs) drop in today. I know you're busy with your work and everything going on. But I think sometimes that instead of just having people on who have written books and who have done this for 27 years, to, to have somebody who's... Started not all that long ago, and has made just terrific strides. No pun intended.
0: I'm so happy <laughs> you
5: called me up.
0: Oh well, thank you so much. Thank
5: you. Thank you. Have a beautiful day, and say hello to those kitties for me.
0: We'll do. And thank you so much.
5: Thanks. Thanks say hello yeah. to your dog. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> thank you. Bye. And all of you lovely listeners, please stay with us through these messages. I see we've got a caller on the line. It will be fun to talk to somebody new and to bring on our first guest, Gingy Talaferro. Stay with us.
3: You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world.
4: What if you could experience vibrant health? Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter. Or email her at Main Street at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan.
5: Hey, everybody. This is Victoria Moran, your host on the Main Street Vegan Show. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I am so excited to be introducing someone that I have admired from afar for quite some time. You know, I'm on the East Coast, she's on the West Coast, and so sometimes we don't meet all these people that we think a lot of, but I'm so happy that she's out there. Gingy Talaferro is author of The Garden Diet, and she is the raw vegan mom of five raw vegan children. She's been off and on the raw diet for the past twenty years and got to experience some remarkable differences between her raw pregnancies and her cooked pregnancies that led her believe that we really need to get back to the garden. Hey, Gingy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Victoria. Thanks so much. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to be talking with you. I've seen your pictures on Facebook and you're just a beautiful sun-kissed, lovely woman. I think the raw fooders just really have something wonderful going on. I don't imagine that I will ever be joining you up here in New York, where we have cold three seasons of the year. But I think what you're doing is absolutely fabulous. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. It's easier on the West Coast, you're right, to to
5: be raw year-round. Well, when I was in uh, Hawaii... I remember tropical fruits were what I wanted to eat. That was what was there. It made lots of sense. Here it's a little bit different, but I do find that even in the winter, I need to get the raw food in. I need to have the juices and the salads, even if I take them out of the fridge and bring them up to room temperature, (laughs) Mm. just to get that life force energy is really, really necessary. So give us a little background. What's your story? How did you get into all this? Well, interestingly, um,
2: I grew up in a quite a spiritual household. We were into this amazing book my parents were into called the Urantia Book. And so I grew up with this study groups and conferences and a house full of people, and it was wonderful and exciting. And everyone was so excited about this book and the great, you know, materials in it. And a lot of it was, um, about, the cosmology of the universe and how everything's you know laid out in the different orders of beings and a lot about what happens after this plane. This plane is incredibly important, but everyone was kind of focused at that point on like the after life. And so I really at least that's what I was maybe tuned into. And so I sort of developed a bit of a almost a disdain for the physical material plane that um, I have to say there were like a 1,001 amazing benefits to growing up with this kind of a lifestyle and beliefs. But if there was one downside, it was that. Because by my early 20s, I was in pretty bad health, just not being into material things. My body didn't care about my appearance, money, all that stuff, not very much. So um <laughs> anyway, that in a way was a blessing too because it did lead me to my life's work and the raw vegan diet because I started really seeking out of necessity a healthier path around my mid-20s. And that led me to my raw vegan diet.
5: What a fascinating story. Now, I know, Ginger, you are offering the first caller a wonderful gift today. So I want to let everybody listening live to know that you can call us at 888-558-6489. Or if you're in Canada or somewhere else that's not in the United States of A, 816 347 Five five one nine. So you are going to be giving away a life membership to the Garden Diets 2 program special. Now, this is a 21-day raw cleanse and your 28-day transition to raw program, which run continuously back-to-back. They come with your 100% raw vegan menu plan, New recipes for every meal, every day for the 21 and the 28 days. She'll send you shopping lists so you don't even have to think about what to buy. And she'll support you every step of the way with her exclusive online forum for members. So everybody assists each other. It's like a big old family. Very, very cool. You'll even get a program, pal. And I got to say... For everything that I have ever accomplished on earth, I have needed something like that. I've talked before about my action partner. I don't think I could get through the day without checking in with this woman and being reminded of of the truth and what's up. So you're even offering that. Right.
2: Um, in, In our daily instructions, which we send out every day, we also include workout videos for all levels of fitness and you know cuz exercise is as important as diet and the other most important secret of health that people don't remember as often i think is inner well-being so a big part of our daily instructions is all about promoting your emotional health and happiness through journal exercises we have motivational reading every day and what we call joyfulness exercises and you know some of us on this call unity radio are comfortable with calling you know that spiritual health and I call it emotional health for, you know, the broader public, but we gently touch on ways and practices that can contribute to a vibrant inner life, which is so essential to vibrant health.
5: Oh gosh, that sounds so good. I wish it was legal for me to call in, but I'm already here. And guess what? Somebody has called in. Sarah Grace, are you with us?
6: I certainly am. I'm very excited to be here. And I love the idea of spiritual health because that really is, my top priority, um, whether it's about, you know, what I eat or what I think or what I feel or, you know, how I take care of myself, spiritual health is my direction.
5: Well, you're doing something right because you just won a lifetime membership to the Garden Diets 2 Program Special. So we'll get your contact I information. won that? You won. You are oh the winner, goodness. the first
6: call. Oh, my goodness. What a gift. Yeah, so do you have a
5: question
6: for our guest? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do have a lot of health issues, and I'm not going to go through A to Z, but um, one of the major ones is that I have systemic yeast and fungal issues. And I will tell you that um, I am absolutely addicted to the sweet taste. Now, I only eat fruit. Um, for, for sweet, but I am having, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's, there's a philosophy that, you know, you can eat as much fruit, um, as you want fruit and greens, the, the Doug Graham, or you really need to, and it's the fat you need to get rid of. And then the other philosophy is that you really need to get off any kind of sugar. And again, for me, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, um, fruits. And so my question really is, you know, from your experience working with people for, you know, for a long time, you know, is do I need to get rid of that fruit 100%? Because I find myself, you know, going to the, you know, eating the fruit, but then going to the raisins and the dates and things like that. But I am I'm so addicted. And so I just want to know, you know, how I can handle the sugar addiction Um, and get off the fruits if you think that's what I need to do. And also, you know, not to depend on a high-fat diet of of nuts and seeds and fat. So that's my question.
2: Okay. Um, Well, that's a great question, and a lot of people have the same question because a lot of us in the society are dealing with diseases and illnesses and conditions that result from growing up with too much sugar, refined sugar, particularly through sodas and um, you know, high fructose corn syrup that's in every single product. And um, of course, all the starches that turn into sugars, we do all these, you know, grain products from cereal to cakes and cookies and crackers and bread and pasta and rice and everything. I mean, we grow up with this being like the main part of the food pyramid almost. And it really isn't meant to be consumed in that. And that's why so many of us end up with candida. You know, you see bread molding. It's basically all that stuff molding in your gut. And so... The fruit is really not the enemy. The fruit is a beneficial thing, but it's in when it's on top of all that other stuff, it can aggravate your conditions. But once you do a hundred percent raw, let me just
6: let me just stop you. I, I do not eat any grains. I don't eat any junk food, any sugars. I mean, for many many years, I'm highly allergic to um, gluten and wheat, but I don't do any grains. I don't do any of those other things, I and mean, then I've been on a a vegan diet. It's either cooked or raw, but I don't eat any of those things that you're talking about. Now, I grew up addicted to all those things, and I grew up eating all those things, but it's been many, many years.
2: I battled with candida too, even for years after I was raw. I mean, the symptoms went away when I was 100% raw, and that's kind of what kept me on my 100% raw path, because as soon as I went a little too far off, I would start getting the symptoms again. So, But then I did one year of 100% raw without any MSG, which is in Bragg's, and I'm going to show you, miso, a lot of raw things, um, without any raw cacao, which has a lot of toxins in it, despite also having a lot of nutrients in it, um, and has a lot of caffeine. So these two things, and um, I think that's where the only two things I eliminated. And so I had this 100% raw year where I was a lot more say, pure than, than I had been before. And after that, my, um, my candida was gone on a systemic level. And I know this because when I cheated after that, I didn't get those candida symptoms. So I th- in a way, it made me start going off my path because I that had always kept me on the 100% raw diet. And so now I could eat other things that I could, never could eat before. I didn't bloat from different raw food combinations that had bloated me before. Um, skin issues that I had thought were a dairy allergy. Whenever I would cheat, I would get, you know, breakouts. Um, now, when I cheated on, um, on dairy, it wouldn't result in breakouts. So there's something about being 100% raw where you can eat as much fruit as you want, you know, and still, the candida symptoms will not show up. And if you do it without the MSG, without the cacao, without the dehydrated foods, that was the other thing that I eliminated. Then the systemic candida, it just goes away completely. And um, okay, even so though I do now include some cooked foods in my diet, it has not returned. But I'm really learning my balances and my moderations and my ratios. Got to eat a lot of greens.
5: So, Sarah Grace, you will learn so much in in Gingy's course. So if you can just give your contact information to uh, our lovely engineer, Jeff, I think you're off on a grand adventure. Thanks so much for your call.
6: Well, you're very, very welcome. Thank you.
5: All the best. Oh, Gingy, you you sound very, very wise. There was something that you said when we were doing our little pre-talk that I thought was absolutely fascinating. It's just a little theory that you have about the Garden of Eden story and birth. Tell us about that. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, it's really in all fun, this theory, but um, uh, when I, I had, you know, I did a couple years raw, a couple years vegan, a couple years raw, a couple years vegan, sort of two years on, two years off was my cycle. And um, I had, I've had five children, as you know, Um, the first one I had a cooked pregnancy. The second one was raw. The third one was cooked. The fourth one was raw. And so by the time my third one came around, you know, my first birth had taken a 30 hour labor. My second one had been 45 minutes and that was my first raw one and pretty much pain free. My third one, I'd gone back to cooked another 40 hour, not so pain free labor. Two weeks after I had her, I had this vision that, um, it was the raw diet, obviously, that had contributed to that really easy birth. So with my next one, I went raw, had the most pain-free labor ever. Um, that one was two hours straight to finish, but really pleasant the whole way through, except for one contraction where a mild amount of pain. Um, so it's just ridiculous, the difference. And so then I, it came to me, oh, um, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. I don't you know, even really believe this story from the Bible completely. I mean, I think it's metaphorical in some way, but I think uh the the notion came to me. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and from then on Eve had childbirth pain and women were doomed to have pain in childbirth. And I thought, oh, the garden. And I'd already called my my diet the garden diet, because the summer I had been eating out of the garden, I experienced such incredible rejuvenation and health and athletic things. Um that uh, I thought, what a difference eating out of your garden. And, um, and so I thought, oh, that's what the Garden of Eden was a metaphor for, was, you know, we got to get back to the garden. we got to start eating more fruits and vegetables, and then we won't have that pain in childbirth.
5: So it's now, probably a coincidence, but who knows? <laughs> I, well, I think it's fascinating. I think there's so much wisdom in these stories, whether somebody believes the literal historical Garden of Eden or, or not. I mean to me the story that after the fall people were given the green leaves the green plants to eat it was just fruits and nuts before that because in this fallen state we needed <laughs> we needed the greens so it's uh, it's all fascinating now i want everybody to know about your book you are the author of raw pregnancy and childbirth pain free childbirth with raw foods So that's uh, something that a lot of women are interested in, and I would highly recommend the book. I also want to send people to your various websites. You've got 21daysraw.com, which is about your cleanse program, if I'm correct. 28daysraw.com, helping people transition into a raw vegan diet. And your blog, thegardendiet.com. Two websites, a blog, and five kids. You have a lot of energy.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I definitely feel like I can do it without, you know, a substantial amount of raw fruits and vegetables to power me through my day.
5: Well, it, it makes a huge difference. So as you look at your beautiful family, just give us a couple of minutes here on kids. What's your take on what they need and what keeps them healthy? Well, um, you know, I
2: think kids need a lot of food, and if you're bringing up raw kids, it is really difficult, expensive, and challenging to keep enough raw food in them to keep them growing at the level and rate that the kids around us are growing at. My kids are a little skinny, and you know to some people it's a little worrisome. they get checked out, they're fine, their nutrient levels are fine, their energy and their development is all on track, um, but they're just skinnier than most other kids. <laughs> And, um, in this country, they'd fit in well in a lot of other countries, I'm sure. But, um, so that's, that's really difficult, but on the upside, I mean, they, they are emotionally really stable. Um, they, I have never had to, you know, go to the hospital or doctors, you know, and a lot of my friends are in and out of the emergency room all the time with their kids. They never get the ear, nose, throat infections that other kids are having constantly, um, So it's, it's been really fascinating and and a blessing to watch them and see people react to them as we go through life. And, oh, these kids are so, you know, so special, so different. And, um, what is it about their energy? And, you know, we do other things too. We're homeschooling too. And so there's, there's other differences there also. And they're mixed children. So, um, I guess some of the attention is for that, but, um, there's definitely something different, different about raw kids, Um, Mm. not having that addiction to the sugars and things like
5: that is, it's pretty neat. I think it helps us
2: have a more emotionally balanced time with them.
5: That's so fascinating. I homeschooled my daughter as well. She's a lifelong vegan. And when we had Rich Roll, the ultra marathoner on the show a few months ago, he shared that he and his wife are now homeschooling their kids. So it's so interesting how we find one of these things and then we end up with, with something different. Oh, Gingy, I'm going to have to have you back on. You're just delightful, and we only have a couple of minutes left. But I know that you're really very sensitive to the spiritual part of this thing. So how would you say that eating a, a raw diet, a vegan diet, transitioning to high raw, all raw, what does that do for a person's soul? Ooh,
2: well, on one level, I want to say you know, it has nothing to do with anything, um, you know, your soul is, you're loved by God no matter what you eat. And your soul is certainly destined to be a part of, you know, the universe and God and all our souls will be joined together. And in the end, it's is my belief as, you know, this new part of God becoming that I feel that we all are, as we all have God within us, and that's where we're headed. And, you know, we're all connecting, you know, um in the infinite future. So, um, but here we are on a physical plane. We have these physical bodies. We have this physical food to eat. Why not eat the food that grows out of the ground and hangs from the trees and is definitely structured by nature, by that same intelligence that structured our bodies and this whole universe and eat it in its natural form. It seems to really have amazing benefits. I've seen such incredible benefits for people health-wise, but also when you are in great vibrant health, I feel like you do. Get a clearer channel, clearer connection with that higher power or inner, you know, God fragment or whatever you want to call it with your spiritual self um, or God, you know, which it's one to me it's different to different people. so It's hard to say, but, you know, I think you do get a, a better um, you, you can think clearer, you know, mm. so spiritually, you- I think that affects one's practice.
5: Well, you certainly sound clear and connected. I see I gave the title of your book not quite correctly. It's Raw Pregnancy Ecstatic Birth. Whoa, I need to share that with a friend who's newly pregnant because I want her to have an ecstatic birth. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'll give your website and everything at the end of the show. And uh, everybody, connect with this woman. She's pretty cool. Stay with us through this break, and we'll be back with Sid Garza-Hillman, author of Approaching the Natural.
4: Who have you come here to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Rev. Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness, and her co-authors have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who Have You Come Here to Be?, 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who Have I Come Here to Be?, Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within, an infinite field of possibilities, to discover Who Have You Come Here to Be? To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
5: Welcome back, everybody. This is Victoria Moran. I'm the author of Main Street Vegan, and you can find me at MainStreetVegan.net. Also have a program to train vegan lifestyle coaches, Main Street Vegan Academy. We're having a new program next week. So the show will be live from Main Street Vegan Academy and our guest will be Kathy Stevens of the Catskill Animal Sanctuary. But right now, and the most important time ever is now, I am so excited to have on an author who is getting all sorts of buzz When did it happen that buzz was the most important thing a book could have? Well, that's how it is these days. He's the author of Approaching the Natural, a health manifesto. That is a new book from Roundtree Press. And Sid is also the program's director at the Stanford Inn's Mendocino Center for Living Well. I have been to that Stanford Inn, and oh my goodness, if you ever want to go someplace heavenly without leaving earth, that's the place to go. Sid is a certified nutritionist and a health coach. His private practice is transitioning to health. Hey, Sid, welcome to the show.
7: Hi, glad to be here.
5: Well, it's wonderful to have you. You have this clear, lovely voice. And because of the miracle of Skype, I can actually see you looking all radiant out there. And you said <laughs> you're at Lake Tahoe today?
7: I am. I'm my, my parents' 50th anniversary, so they they got a house for all of us. And so we're here for the week.
5: Oh, how lovely. Well, congratulations to them. So I am seeing your book everywhere I look. Somebody is tweeting about it or putting it on Facebook or talking about it on the radio what makes approaching the natural such an unusual and fascinating read?
7: Well, it's hard. I don't know, and it's such a. It was a little indie squirt, you know. The publisher's not a not a, a major by any stretch of the imagination, and um, so we floated it, and it's and it's got a little traction, which is exciting to see. I think people are taking to it because it's uh, it's a very different book. There's nothing that I've seen like it. Um, I'm a nutritionist, and so of course I, I address food, but it's only one chapter of the whole book. And, and, I, and I was also, a, you know, studied philosophy, got my degree in that from UCLA. And so I incorporated kind of a, an entirely, uh, an entire philosophy of health. That's my approach is that it's not just about food. It's about the whole picture of the human species. And so I think maybe people are attaching to a, a much broader uh, message.
5: Well, tell us your philosophy.
7: Well, my philosophy is that in all things human, the closer that we get by degrees, and I want to stress by degrees because it's not all or nothing because we all live in the modern world and we're not going to go, you know, marching off into the forest to go all the way back there. But um, the closer we get by degrees to what is most natural that I argue um, to us as a species, the healthier but and happier. And, and that's a big one, too, that we will become. And I tie the two in. I think they're um they're linked by just, that's just the fact, uh, health and happiness are part of the same picture. So it is that, that the closer we get by degrees, the healthier and happier we will be.
5: So what are we trying to get to?
7: I believe it's natural for the, human, um, for the human species. And I really think of what changed for me is when I began to think about humans as a species, because what's normal for humans in the modern world, like sitting in a cubicle all day and driving in a car, while being very normal are not normal for us as a species, and so my question was how to marry the two, um, how, to, how to bridge the gap just a little bit. Um, I think the goal as a, as a human is to live a happy, fulfilling life. I think that we, we want to relate to other human beings, to our tri- I think we're tribal in nature. I think we want to enjoy life, I think we're curious, I think we're creative. I think we have all those things that are inherent in our being and to get closer to that brings us back to what is truly worth living for.
5: So how does somebody do that? I mean, so many of the people I know are working very, very hard. This financial situation for a lot of people is a little bit challenging, and people seem to be torn in different directions with children and parents and demands and demands. How does somebody take all that and get to the kind of happiness you're talking about?
7: Well, so here's the crux of my book, and this is why I think people are um, attaching to the book in, in, a, in a profound way. And that's because it is by degrees. And it is I am a, I'm a dad. I have three kids, two of whom are twins, four years old. My wife works full-time as a graphic designer. I work full-time. I'm as busy as anybody. I'm not here talking from a place of you know t- total relaxation. I'm in the mix. And I'm still able to negotiate a very healthy life. And the way I do that, and the way that I practice, and the way that I work with my clients is to do things in as small a step as possible such that you can do something every day. And what I mean by that is people aren't going to change. Diets are the thing where people change their whole life upside down, but that's why diets fail. People can't take that much on. But if I advocate for something as little, if necessary, as eating one stock of celery every day, then you become somebody who eats healthy food. Maybe not enough yet. But you can start that process no matter how busy you are. And I just apply that to movement, to mindfulness, to connection to the earth, to socializing, to everything. Start as small as possible to get you to do something every day and build from that foundation.
5: I love that. I also love in your bio, the bigger bio than the one that I shared with people, that you live with your wife, three children, two dogs, and two guinea pigs, white rose and pink (laughs) rose. You know. We get so much joy from being simplified by non-human companions. Do you find that?
7: Oh, 100%. And that's just something that is also uniquely human, the way that we relate to other species and the way that we... And I I had to throw the names in because my nine-year-old, when she was six, named them White Rose and Pink Rose, and I just thought that was funny. I just think those are the greatest names ever. But um, I've had companion animals my whole life, and it is such a... Um, addition to the experience of, of my life, and I love having them with us. And we're about to, in the next year, we're going to adopt some rescue lambs as pets um, from Farm Sanctuary. We already got approved, and so that's in the mix. I've been in touch with Jean Bauer about that. And um, so it's, I love just being surrounded on that level with other species.
5: Oh, wow, rescue lambs. You're so lucky. The only time well, that I ever think that somebody who doesn't live in Manhattan is luckier than me is when they get a rescue <laughs> lamb.
7: Well, we have land and we moved up from Los Angeles to this, you know, little town of Mendocino and we have actually have land and, and it's like, what are we going to use it for? You know, it's sitting there and, and what better way? So, oh, um, that's yeah.
5: beautiful. <laughs> now, I'm interested too in your small steps approach. I'm taking the eCornell, um, plant-based nutrition course right now because I love learning things. And when they talk about a whole foods plant-based diet, it seems rather stringent. It seems that if you ever saute your onion in some olive oil, or if you ever put a little Celtic sea salt on your salad or if you ever go out, like I mentioned at the beginning, since I'm staying in Chinatown, I went out last night and got some carry-out mock duck appetizer, which I shared with my dog, who was on writer's retreat with me, that, that you've blown it, that you're no longer a Whole Foods person. And I find when I get that sort of information, it just makes me sad. What do you do with stuff like that?
7: See, I'm of the completely opposite camp because for me, people with food, um, I mean, I've met raw food, people who are all the way at the other spectrum who are totally unhealthy in mind and body because food for them has become too stressful. And to me, if it's something that's becoming too stressful and taking up so much of your life that it's ruining the quality of your life, then I, don't, then I think you need to find a better balance. I think if you look at the human species as a species, raw, whole plants are normal for us. It's appropriate for us. I get that. But also I think, you know what? I know that we all live in the, in the world. And so when you can take steps to that end, you're going to benefit from that. I think that that's fantastic. I don't, I'm not all raw whole. I eat cooked food and raw food. I'm 100% healthy. I'm, I'm at 44, better in shape than I was at 24. I think there is a balance to everything. in terms Exercise too. People can exercise to the point where it's causing the great harm. It's a balance that we need to find in our own lives, and that's what I advocate. Find, get to the steps. Keep taking them until you hit the balance that's good for you and makes your life worth you living, that makes you excited about being alive, and then you're done. You got it. Um, so, you know, in other words, you know, people, I think if they know the the end game, if they go, okay, it's appropriate for humans to move. It's appropriate for humans to eat plants uh, or or nutrient-dense food, because in the wild there wouldn't be anything other than nutrient-dense food. When you understand that end game, then you know where to go toward, knowing that I don't even advocate going all the way at once because you'll burn out. But if you know to take steps along the way, um, then you'll find that balance for you. And I think that to advocate otherwise is to burn people out and make them you know, turn the other way and go, this isn't worth it. And then they've lost a valuable, um, you know, a valuable quality of life improvement. I run a wellness center up in um Mendocino at the Stanford Inns Mendocino Center for Living Well. And and even there, you know, it's a vegan resort and I think the only one in the country we found out. Um but even there it's a big picture of health. It's um it's not just food, it's not just movement. It's it's um Chinese herbals. Um yoga, tai chi, we do gardening classes, we do creative play shops with the owner, Joan Stanford, who's an art therapist. Um, we do all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a, we, we take a broad approach kind of under the umbrella of, of paying attention and being present to your experience in life and, and learning how to negotiate a, a very unnatural world but try to be a little more natural in the process. And so it's a, it's a really exciting endeavor.
1: That's a beautiful way to look at it. I think that every time we eat, we're certainly feeding and nourishing our body, and that needs to be a high priority. But we're also nourishing the rest of ourselves. I know that I had some colds this winter, so I was really trying to be cleaner with my diet than I had been in a long time. And I guess I just got way too clean. I went to breakfast with my husband not long ago, and they had these vegan biscuits and they were big and fat and puffy like the biscuits I used to eat growing up with my grandmother back in Missouri. And oh my goodness, I had that that veggie biscuit with some Brazil nut chai, and I left that restaurant feeling like all is right with the world. And what I realized was that with my very good intention of really cleaning up the food, I kind of got it so clean. It's almost like if you clean your house so well that you feel like you can't live in it, that's just too clean.
7: Right. It's, and again, it comes, it, it just always comes down to the balance um, of what makes you happy, you know? And I think that for me, and this might be the philosopher in me, and I really want to stress that it's a philosophy book above all else, but I want to know what I want people to understand what it feels like to take care of yourself on that level. And that's in mind and body. and sometimes, sometimes that means going out and having a treat like that and, and giving yourself pleasure. The question is if you're do, eating that all the time, all day, that's going to have a reaction and it's going to affect the quality of life, you know, quality of your life. But so, you know, to kind of go like, I've been doing this too much, you know, I'm starting to feel not good about this and now I know how to get back. Well,
1: it's so un-American to have moderation. You know, we, we tend to swing in, in vast uh, stretches from one thing to another. You know, it's going to the gym every day and, and working out for the triathlon or lying on the couch. So how how do you train people to do the middle way?
7: Well, what's interesting is that I, I stopped doing consultations um, with my private practice transitioning to health now, I, I mean, I do them, but I don't do them by themselves. What I do is I do a consultation as part of a three or four-week daily check-in series. And the reason I do that is because it, it, it is such a different way of approaching health and happiness. We are so about quick fix and fad diets and 21-day this and 7-day that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the gym an hour and a half every day, and that's what I'm going to do. And we burn out every time, 95% of diet fail. So what I do is I build in this daily conversation of like, let's do what you can do. If you can't do more than a celery stalk today, let's start there. But let's have a conversation every day about what's it like to really feed yourself well? What's it like to take care of your own environment through your actions? What's it like to take care of your family through taking care of yourself? How does that affect your family life? How does that affect all the things? I think it starts with you as an individual. I think that environmental issues and ethical issues around food, I think that Family issues all start with the health of the human being. When you are healthy and happy, you approach the world from a much more positive place. Um, so I have all to coach right. people to get to get away from that quick fix mentality. It's very difficult, but it's but it's totally challenging or worthwhile.
1: Yeah, and I find it so interesting on this show. When the same thing comes up a lot in one show, I'm feeling like that's really the message of the hour. And you're talking about working with the people that you consult with on a daily basis for an extended period of time. And our first guest, Jinji, said that in her program, she gives people a buddy so that they have somebody to check in with. And I mentioned a woman that I talk with every day, my action partner, there's really something about human to human connection, isn't
7: there? Well, yeah, and I address this in the book. I mean, I have an entire chapter called the social network. We we are tribal in nature, and knowing that we because we move around, we can't be physically close to our tribes anymore um, for the most part. But we can, can we can make efforts to, to, by degrees, whatever you can handle. But we can make efforts to reconnect to people. I think the social part of being healthy and happy is is integral. I think that having Somebody to do things with, to go through this process with is crucial and necessary. I think you can't do it almost without somebody. So I always urge my clients, Mm. aside from from talking to me, what about your spouse? What about a friend? Is there somebody you can do this with? It's such a more powerful way to go.
1: Yeah. And I love that you're talking about the social aspect when you're at your parents' 50th anniversary celebration because I've worked with people, and I know that you have too, who say things like, oh, it's so terrible, I have to go to my parents' 50th anniversary, what am I going to eat? But it's like, what a joy, what a joy that your parents are having a 50th anniversary. It's not about what you're going to eat.
7: No, and, that, and, and put, it's such a great point. And putting food into perspective is just, you know, I, we bring our own food to a lot of places. We, we've just done that, but that's where we're at. But my family eats pretty well, too. And it's so much more about being with people and being with your tribe than it is about, about the food you eat, you know, for me. And I understand that food is important, and I love food. I'm a total foodie, as it were. But, but it's also not at the expense of, of my own happiness and health.
1: Uh, Well, the foodie, the philosopher, the writer with buzz, I'm so happy that we've had this time together. The book is Approaching the Natural, A Health Manifesto by Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid is a certified nutritionist and weight management coach. If you want to find more out about him, you can go to livingwellmendocino.com. Or StanfordIn.com. That's the Stanford Inn by the Sea Eco Resort. Nice, nice place. And you don't have to bring your food there because they already have perfect food. You want to give us 45 seconds to live on? Do I? Yeah.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say <laughs> 45 seconds, my goodness. Take little steps, find your own balance but understand the value of what it is to take care of yourself. And it's okay and totally appropriate as a species to take care of ourselves. It's how we're designed. And it's you know, nothing you need to apologize for. It's just that to learn how to truly take care of yourself is the challenge. And when you do, it pays off in a huge way in all aspects of your life. And no matter how busy you are, you can take little steps to do that. And they make a big difference in everyone's life.
1: Wow, I, I love it. And do you have a Twitter or a Facebook you'd like to give people?
7: I do. At Sid Garza Hillman is Twitter, Facebook, Transitioning to Health, and my own private practice is TransitioningToHealth.net.
1: That's a lot, and we'll find you at one of those places, on Twitter at Sid Garza Hillman. That's where I'll go first because 140 characters is short and easy and gives me lots of time to take care of myself. Thank you (laughs) so much for being with us today. Happy anniversary to your parents, and thanks to everybody for listening. God bless you
4: That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
1: At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into SoulStream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Inspiration only takes a moment. As Rev. Felicia Blanco-Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change.
4: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
3: Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
4: If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge, where fools and dreamers
3: dare to tread, and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan, Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream?